Environment Today is a podcast about the current state of our planet's environment and ways to contribute to the health and prosperity of our ecosystem. Content presented by Amy and James Sharp. I'm James Sharp. And I'm Amy Sharp. All information being discussed today is from the report IPCC 2019 Summary for Policymakers on Climate Change and Land, an IPCC Special Report on Climate Change, Desertification, Land Degradation, Sustainable Land Management, Food Security, and Greenhouse Gas Fluxes in Terrestrial Ecosystems. Environment Today's podcast will bring this and other current scientific reports on our environment to you every two weeks, putting these details into layman's terms as much as possible. You will receive a great deal more information than you would hear or read in short blurbs of daily news briefings. We want to bring you all the key facts in detail and then provide real-life solutions that you can implement after hearing the facts of each report. This special report on climate change and land was prepared following an IPCC panel decision in 2016 to prepare three special reports during the sixth assessment cycle. This special report follows the other two IPCC special reports on global warming of 1.5 degrees Celsius and on the ocean and cryosphere. Both of these special reports have been covered in detail in prior podcasts of Environment Today. This special report on climate change and land responds to the panel decision in 2016 to prepare three special reports during the sixth assessment cycle, taking account of proposals from governments and observer organizations. This report addresses greenhouse gas fluxes in land-based ecosystems, land use, and sustainable land management in relation to climate change adaptation and mitigation, desertification, land degradation, and food security. This summary for policymakers is structured in four parts and will be included in this and the following three podcasts. Today, we will cover part A, people, land, and climate in a warming world. Our next three parts will be part B, Adaptation and Mitigation Response Options, C, Enabling Response Options, and D, Action in the Near Term. Land provides the principal basis for human livelihoods and well-being, including the supply of food, fresh water, and multiple other ecosystem services, as well as biodiversity. Human use directly affects more than 70% of the global ice-free land surface. Land also plays an important role in the climate system. People currently use one-quarter to one-third of land's potential for food, feed, fiber, timber, and energy. Land provides the basis for many other ecosystem functions and services including cultural and regulating services that are essential for humanity. In one economic approach, the world's terrestrial ecosystem services have been valued on an annual basis 
to be approximately equivalent to the annual global gross domestic product, which has been estimated at $75 trillion for 2011, based on U.S. dollars for 2007. Land is both a source and a sink of greenhouse gases and plays a key role in the exchange of energy, water, and aerosols between the land surface and atmosphere. Land ecosystems and biodiversity are vulnerable to ongoing climate change and weather and climate extremes to different extents. Sustainable land management can contribute to reducing the negative impacts of multiple stressors, including climate change, on ecosystems and societies. Data available since 1961 shows that global population growth and changes in per capita consumption of food, feed, fiber, timber, and energy have caused unprecedented rates of land and freshwater use, with agriculture currently accounting for 70% of global freshwater use. Expansion of areas under agriculture and forestry, including commercial production and enhanced agriculture and forestry productivity, have supported consumption and food availability for a growing population. With large regional variation, these changes have contributed to increasing net greenhouse gas emissions, loss of natural ecosystems, for example, forests, savannas, natural grasslands and wetlands, and declining biodiversity. More data available since 1961 also shows the per capita supply of vegetable oils and meat has more than doubled, and the supply of food calories per capita has increased by about one-third. Currently, 25 to 30 percent of total food produced is lost or wasted. These factors are associated with additional greenhouse gas emissions. Changes in consumption patterns have contributed to about 2 billion adults now being overweight or obese. An estimated 821 million people are still undernourished. About a quarter of the Earth's ice-free land area is subject to human-induced degradation. Soil erosion from agricultural fields is estimated to be currently 10 to 20 times in fields with no tillage. And soil erosion from agricultural fields that use conventional tillage methods is estimated to be more than 100 times higher than the soil formation rate. Climate change exacerbates land degradation, particularly in low-lying coastal areas, river deltas, drylands, and in permafrost areas. Over the period of 1961 to 2013, the annual area for drylands in drought has increased, an average by slightly more than 1% per year, with large interannual variability. In 2015, about 500 million people lived within areas which experienced desertification between the 1980s and 2000s. The highest numbers of people affected are in the South and East Asia, the Circum-Sahara region, including North Africa, and the Middle East, 
including the Arabian Peninsula. Definition. Evapotranspiration is the process by which water is transferred from the land to the atmosphere by evaporation from the soil and other surfaces and by transpiration from plants. In some dryland areas, increased land surface air temperature and evapotranspiration and increased precipitation amount in interaction with climate variability and human activities, have contributed to desertification. These areas include sub-Saharan Africa, parts of East and Central Asia, and Australia. Other dryland regions have also experienced desertification. People living in already degraded or desertified areas are increasingly negatively affected by climate change. The frequency and intensity of dust storms has increased over the last few decades due to land use and land cover changes and climate-related factors in many dryland areas, resulting in an increasing negative impact on human health. In regions such as the Arabian Peninsula and broader Middle East, Central Asia. Land Surface Warming Definition a heat wave is defined in this report as a period of abnormally hot weather. Heat waves and warm spells have various and, in some cases, overlapping definitions. Since the pre-industrial period, the land surface air temperature has risen nearly twice as much as the global average temperature. Climate change, including increases in frequency and intensity of extremes, has adversely impacted food security and terrestrial ecosystems, as well as contributed to desertification and land degradation in many regions. Since the pre-industrial period of 1850 to 1900, the observed mean land surface air temperature has risen considerably more than the global mean surface temperature for land and ocean. From 1850 to 1900 to 2006 to 2015, mean land surface air temperature has increased by 1.53 degrees Celsius or 2.75 degrees Fahrenheit, while the global mean surface temperature only increased by 0.87 degrees Celsius or 1.57 degrees Fahrenheit. Warming has resulted in an increased frequency, intensity, and duration of heat-related events, including heat waves in most land regions. Frequency and intensity of droughts has increased in some regions, including the Mediterranean, West Asia, many parts of South America, much of Africa, and Northeast Asia. And there has been an increase in the intensity of heavy precipitation events at a global scale. Warming has led to shifts of climate zones in many world regions, including expansion of arid climate zones and contraction of polar climate zones. As a consequence, Many plant and animal species have experienced changes in their ranges, abundances, and shifts in their seasonal activities. Climate change can exacerbate land degradation processes, 
including through increases in rainfall intensity, flooding, drought frequency and severity, heat stress, dry spells, wind, sea level rise and wave action, and permafrost thaw, with outcomes being modulated by land management. Ongoing coastal erosion is intensifying and impinging on more regions, with sea level rise adding to land use pressure in some regions. Climate change has already affected food security due to warming, changing precipitation patterns, and greater frequency of some extreme events. Studies that separate out climate change from other factors affecting crop yields have shown that yields of some crops, for example maize and wheat, in many lower-latitude regions have been affected negatively by observed climate changes while in many higher-latitude regions, yields of some crops, for example maize, wheat, and sugar beets, have been affected positively over recent decades. Climate change has resulted in lower animal growth rates and productivity in pastoral systems in Africa. There is robust evidence that agricultural pests and diseases have already responded to climate change resulting in both increases and decreases of infestations. Based on indigenous and local knowledge, climate change is affecting food security in drylands, particularly those in Africa and high mountain regions of Asia and South America. Vegetation greening and browning. Definition. Vegetation greening or vegetation browning is observed via satellites to be an increase or decrease in photosynthetically active plant biomass, respectively. Satellite observations have shown increased vegetation greening over the last three decades in parts of Asia, Europe, South America, Central North America, and Southeast Australia. Causes of greening include combinations of an extended growing season, nitrogen deposition, carbon dioxide fertilization due to increased carbon in the atmosphere, and land management. Increases in vegetation browning has been observed in some regions, including Northern Eurasia, parts of North America, Central Asia and the Congo Basin, largely as a result of water stress. Globally, vegetation greening has occurred over a larger area than vegetation browning. Agriculture, forestry, and other land use activities accounted for around 13% of carbon dioxide, 44% of methane, and 81% of nitrous oxide emissions from human activities globally during 2007 to 2016, representing 23% of total net anthropogenic or human-caused emissions of greenhouse gases. The natural response of land to human-induced environmental change caused during 2007 to 2016 is the equivalent to 29% of total CO2 emissions. If emissions associated with pre- and post-production activities in the global food system are included, 
The emissions are estimated to be 21 to 37 percent of total net human-caused greenhouse gas emissions. Pre- and post-production of the global food system in this report is defined as all the elements from the environment to the people, inputs, processes, infrastructures, and institutions, as well as the activities that relate to the production, processing, distribution, preparation, and consumption of food. And the end result of these activities including economic and environmental outcomes at the global level. Land use change and rapid land use intensification have supported the increasing production of food, feed, and fiber. Since 1961, the total production of food, such as cereal crops, has increased by 240% because of land area expansion and increasing yields. Fiber production, such as cotton, increased by 162%. Land is simultaneously a source of CO2 and a sink, or absorber of CO2, due to both anthropogenic or human-caused and natural drivers. This makes it hard to separate anthropogenic from natural fluxes. Global models estimate net CO2 emissions of 5.2 gigatons of equivalent carbon dioxide from land use and land use change during 2007 to 2016. These net emissions are mostly due to deforestation, partly offset by reforestation, and emissions and removals by other land use activities. There is no clear trend in annual emissions since 1990. The natural response of land to human-induced environmental changes, such as increasing atmospheric CO2 concentration, nitrogen deposition, and climate change, resulted in global net removals of 11.2 gigatons of equivalent carbon dioxide during 2007 to 2016. However, Future net increases in CO2 emissions from vegetation and soils due to climate change are projected to counteract these positive removals due to CO2 fertilization and longer growing seasons. Also, projected thawing of permafrost is expected to increase the loss of soil carbon absorption. However, during the 21st century, vegetation growth in those areas may compensate in part for this loss. The balance between these processes is a key source of uncertainty for determining the future of the land carbon sink or absorption by the earth. Global agriculture, forestry, and other land use emissions of methane and average atmospheric concentration of methane shows a steady increase between the mid-1980s and early 1990s. Then, there was a slower growth for most of the 90s, and a period of no growth between 1999 to 2006. Then, unfortunately, followed by a resumption of growth in methane in 2007. Today, Natural sources make up a larger proportion of emissions than they did in 2000. 
cattle, sheep, and other ruminant animals, as well as the expansion of rice cultivation, are important contributors to this now rising concentration of methane. Anthropogenic or human-induced agriculture, forestry, and other land use emissions of nitrous oxide were rising during the period of 2007 to 2016. Human-induced nitrous oxide emissions from soils are primarily due to nitrogen applications including inefficiencies, such as over-application or poorly synchronized with crop demand timings. Also, there has been a major growth in emissions from managed pastures due to increased manure deposition. Livestock on managed pastures and rangelands accounted for more than one-half of total anthropogenic nitrous oxide emissions from agriculture in 2014. Total net greenhouse gas emissions from agriculture, forestry, and other land use emissions represents 12 gigatons of equivalent carbon dioxide during 2007 to 2016. This represents 23% of total net anthropogenic emissions. Emissions from agricultural production are projected to increase, driven by population and income growth, and changes in consumption patterns. Changes in land conditions, either from land use or climate change, affect global and regional climate. At the regional scale, changing land conditions can reduce or accentuate warming and affect the intensity, frequency, and duration of extreme events. The magnitude and direction of these changes vary with location and season. The likelihood and intensity and duration of many extreme events can be significantly modified by changes in land conditions, including heat-related events, such as heat waves and heavy precipitation events. Changes in land conditions can affect temperature and rainfall in regions as far as hundreds of kilometers away. Climate change is projected to alter land conditions in various regions. In those boreal regions where the tree line migrates northward and the growing season lengthens, winter warming will be enhanced due to decreased snow cover and low solar radiation reflection, while warming will be reduced during the growing season because of an increased evapotranspiration. Drier soil conditions resulting from climate change can increase the severity of heat waves while wetter soil conditions have the opposite effect. In those tropical areas where increased rainfall is projected, increased vegetation growth will reduce regional warming. Changes in forest cover from afforestation, reforestation, and deforestation directly affect regional surface temperature through exchanges of water and energy. Where forest cover increases in tropical regions, Cooling results from enhanced evapotranspiration. Increased evapotranspiration can result in cooler days during the growing season and can reduce the amplitude of heat-related events. In regions with seasonal snow cover, such as boreal and some temperate regions, increased tree and shrub cover also has a wintertime warming influence due to reduced surface solar reflection. 
Both global warming and urbanization can enhance warming in cities and their surroundings, like a heat island effect, especially during heat-related events, including heat waves. Nighttime temperatures are more affected by this effect than daytime temperatures. Increased urbanization can also intensify extreme rainfall events over the city or downwind of urban areas. Climate change creates additional stresses on land, exacerbating existing risks to livelihood, biodiversity, human and ecosystem health, infrastructure, and food systems. Increasing impacts on land are projected under all future greenhouse gas emission scenarios. Some regions will face higher risks, while some regions will face risks previously not anticipated. Cascading risks with impacts on multiple systems and sectors also vary across regions. With increasing warming, the frequency and intensity and duration of heat-related events, including heat waves, are projected to continue to increase through the 21st century. The frequency and intensity of droughts are projected to increase, particularly in the Mediterranean region and southern Africa. The frequency and intensity of extreme rainfall events are projected to increase in many regions. With increasing warming, climate zones are projected to further shift poleward in the middle and high latitudes. In high latitude regions, warming is projected to increase disturbance in boreal forests, including drought, wildfire, and pest outbreaks. In tropical regions under medium and high greenhouse gas emission scenarios, Warming is projected to result in the emergence of unprecedented climatic conditions by the mid to late 21st century. Unprecedented climatic conditions are defined in this report as not having occurred anywhere during the 20th century. They are characterized by high temperature with strong seasonality and shifts in precipitation. Current levels of global warming are associated with moderate risks from increased dry land water scarcity, soil erosion, vegetation loss, wildfire damage, permafrost thawing, coastal degradation, and tropical yield decline. Risks, including cascading risks, are projected to become increasingly severe with increasing temperatures. At around 1.5 degrees Celsius of global warming, the risks from dryland water scarcity, wildfire damage, permafrost degradation, and food supply instabilities are projected to be high. At around 2 degrees Celsius of global warming, the risk from permafrost degradation and food supply instabilities are projected to be very high. Additionally, at around 3 degrees Celsius of global warming, risk from vegetation loss, wildfire damage, and dryland water scarcity are also projected to be very high. Risks from droughts, water stress, heat-related events such as heat waves and habitat degradation simultaneously increase between 1.5 degrees Celsius and 3 degrees Celsius warming.
The stability of food supply is projected to decrease as the magnitude and frequency of extreme weather events that disrupt food chains increases. Increased atmospheric CO2 levels can also lower the nutritional quality of crops. This can lead to higher food prices and increased risk of food insecurity and hunger. The most vulnerable people will be more severely affected. Socioeconomic choices each country and region makes can reduce or exacerbate climate-related risks, as well as influence the rate of temperature increase. There are five projections simulating different conditions based upon these choices. The first projection is called the SSP1 pathway. The SSP1 pathway illustrates a world with low population growth, high income, and reduced inequalities. Food produced in low greenhouse gas emission systems, effective land use regulation, and high adaptive capacity. This projection shows that we are able to mitigate loss and adapt to these issues. However, the third projection is the SSP3 pathway. It has the opposite trends based upon poor choices chosen by our countries and regions. In this briefing, we will focus on these two projections. In drylands, climate change and desertification are projected to cause reductions in crop and livestock productivity, modify the plant species mix, and reduce biodiversity. Asia and Africa are projected to have the highest number of people vulnerable to increased desertification. North America, South America, Mediterranean, Southern Africa, and Central Asia may be increasingly affected by wildfire. The tropics and subtropics are projected to be most vulnerable to crop yield decline. Land degradation resulting from the combination of sea level rise and more intense cyclones is projected to jeopardize lives and livelihoods in cyclone-prone areas. Within populations, women, the young, elderly, and poor are most at risk. Changes in climate can amplify environmentally induced migration of humans and animals both within countries and across borders. Extreme weather and climate or slow onset events may lead to increased displacement, disrupted food chains, threatened livelihoods, and continue to exacerbate stresses for conflict. Unsustainable land management has led to negative economic impacts. Climate change is projected to exacerbate these negative economic impacts. The level of risk posed by climate change depends both on the level of warming and on how population, consumption, production, technological development, and land management patterns evolve. The five projections showing those with higher demand for food, feed, and water, more resource-intensive consumption and production, and more limited technological improvements in agriculture yields results in higher risks from water scarcity in drylands, 
land degradation, and food insecurity. Projected increases in population and income, combined with changes in consumption patterns, result in increased demand for food, feed, and water in 2050 in all five projections. These changes, combined with land management practices, have implications for land use change, food insecurity, water scarcity, terrestrial greenhouse gas emissions, carbon sequestration potential, and biodiversity. Development pathways in which incomes increase and the demand for land conversion is reduced, either through reduced agricultural demand or improved productivity, can lead to reductions in food insecurity. All assessed future projections result in increases in water demand and water scarcity. The projections with greater cropland expansion result in larger declines in biodiversity. Risks related to water scarcity in drylands are lower in projections with low population growth, less increase in water demand, and high adaptive capacity, like in SSP1 scenario. In these scenarios, the risk from water scarcity in drylands is moderate even at global warming of 3 degrees Celsius. By contrast, risks related to water scarcity in drylands are greater for those projections with high population growth, high vulnerability, and higher water demand, and low adaptive capacity, such as with SSP3. In SSP3, the transition from moderate to high risk occurs between 1.2 degrees Celsius and 1.5 degrees Celsius. Risks related to climate change-driven land degradation are higher in projections with higher population, increased land use change, low adaptive capacity, and other barriers to adaptation such as seen with SSP3. These scenarios result in more people exposed to ecosystem degradation, fire, and coastal flooding. For land degradation, the projected transition from moderate to high risk occurs from global warming between 1.8 degrees Celsius and 2.8 degrees Celsius in SSP1 and between 1.4 degrees Celsius and 2 degrees Celsius in SSP3. The projected transition from high to very high occurs between 2.2 degrees Celsius and 2.8 degrees Celsius for SSP3. Risks related to food security are greater in projections with lower income, increased food demand, increased food prices resulting from competition for land, more limited trade, and other challenges to adaptation, such as with SSP3. For food security, the transition from moderate to high risk occurs for global warming between 2.5 degrees Celsius and 3.5 degrees Celsius in SSP1 and between 1.3 degrees Celsius and 1.7 degrees Celsius in SSP3. The transition from high to very high risk occurs between 2 degrees Celsius and 2.7 degrees Celsius for SSP3. 
urban expansion is projected to lead to conversion of cropland, leading to losses in food production. This can result in additional risks to the food system. Strategies for reducing these impacts can include urban and peri-urban food production and management of urban expansion, as well as urban green infrastructure that can reduce climate risks in cities. What can I do today to help prevent food scarcity? As we have heard in today's report, 25 to 30 percent of our food supply today is lost or wasted. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, about 94 percent of the food we throw away ends up in landfills or combustion facilities. In 2017, Americans disposed of 38.1 million tons of food waste. Why is reducing wasted food important? Reducing wasted food has social, environmental, and economic benefits. Wasted food is a social problem. In 2018, 11.1% of U.S. households were food insecure at some time during the year. That is 37.2 million Americans, of which 11.2 million are children living in food-insecure households. Wholesome, nutritious food should feed people, not landfills. Wasted food is also an environmental problem. Food is the largest stream of materials in American trash. Once wasted food reaches landfills, it produces methane, a powerful greenhouse gas. Wasted food is also an economic issue. It is estimated that at the retail and consumer levels in the United States, food loss and waste totals $161 billion. Learn how to reduce waste by following these tips which can also be found at epa.gov. Planning tips. By simply making a list with weekly meals in mind, you can save money and time and eat healthier food. If you buy no more than what you expect to use, you will be more likely to keep it fresh and use it all. Keep a running list of meals and their ingredients that your household already enjoys. That way you can easily choose, shop for, and prepare meals. Also, plan your upcoming meals before going shopping. Make your shopping list based on how many meals you'll eat at home. Will you eat out this week? How often? What ingredients do you already have? Include quantities on your shopping list, noting how many meals you'll make with each item to avoid overbuying. For example, salad greens, enough for two lunches. Buy only what you need and will use. Buying in bulk only saves money if you're able to use the food before it spoils. Storage tips. It's easy to overbuy fresh fruits and veggies. 
Visit halfyourplate.ca to learn what fruits and veggies are best stored in the fridge, freezer, or room temperature. Many fruits give off natural gases as they ripen, making other nearby produce spoil faster. Store bananas, apples, and tomatoes by themselves, and store fruits and vegetables in different bins. Wait to wash your berries until you want to eat them to prevent mold. If you like to eat fruit at room temperature, it should be stored in the refrigerator for maximum freshness and then take out what you'll eat for the day out of the refrigerator in the morning. Prep Tips Prepare perishable foods soon after shopping. It will be easier to whip up meals or snacks later in the week, saving time, effort, and money. When you get home from the store, take the time to wash, dry, chop, dice, slice, and place your fresh food items in clear storage containers for snacking and easy cooking. Befriend your freezer and visit it often. For example, freeze food such as bread, sliced fruit, or meat that you know you won't be able to eat in time. Prepare and cook perishable items, then freeze them for use throughout the month. For example, bake and freeze chicken breasts or fry and freeze taco meat. Thriftiness Tips Be mindful of old ingredients and leftovers you need to use up. You'll waste less and may even find a new favorite dish. Shop in your refrigerator first. Cook or eat what you already have at home before buying more. Have produce that's past its prime? It may still be fine for cooking. Think soups, casseroles, stir fries, sauces, baked goods, pancakes, or even smoothies. If safe and healthy, use the edible parts of food that you normally do not eat. For example, stale bread can be used to make croutons. Beet tops can be sautéed for a delicious side dish, and vegetable scraps can be made into stock. Learn the difference between sell-by, use-by, best-by, and expiration dates. Are you likely to have leftovers from any of your meals? Eating leftovers for lunch the next day makes an easy and affordable alternative to buying lunch at work or enjoy it at home. Casseroles, stir-fries, frittatas, soups, and smoothies are great ways to use leftovers too. Search for websites that provide suggestions for using leftover ingredients. At restaurants, only order what you can finish by asking about portion sizes and be aware of side dishes included with entrees. Take home the leftovers and keep them or make them for your next meal. Sharing one entree with someone at your table is another way to control portion size. Lastly, if you want to find organizations that offer ways to take extra food off your hands before it spoils, just type into your internet search engine line, food waste, and many, many organizations will pop up like Olio, Food Recovery Network, Feeding America, Move Out for Hunger, and many others that are in your local area. 
Let's reduce food waste together and do one more important thing to support our environment. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast on the IPCC 2019 Special Report on Climate Change and Land. Our next podcast, we will continue our discussion from this special report covering Part B on Adaptation and Mitigation Response Options. Please join us then to learn more about the environment today.